0: In the context of the readings today, take place in a a sort of societal breakdown in that time, both in the Gospel when there's a lot of dispersion amongst the people of Israel longing for the Messiah before Christ shows up on the scene, but especially in that first reading with Samuel. When God speaks to Samuel for the first time, this is in the midst of when the religious leaders had fallen away from worship of God. They were no longer listening to His voice, and because of that, the people of Israel were suffering with no priests or prophets or leaders to guide them. But then God finds in Samuel one young man who is sleeping next to the tabernacle, staying close to his presence, and is in a place to hear His voice for the first time and thus be a prophet for His people. And that's always a sign of the great prophets of each new age. Those who are in proximity to God, who listen to His voice, and then become a light for all those who encounter them. Now, once my spiritual director asked me what prayers I was engaged in just on a, on a daily basis. And I started to, you know, kind of lift list off a lot of the the Daily Rosary, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Mass, Spiritual, and he's like, no, no, no. What has God said to you lately? What has he spoken to you? I was like, I don't know. Most of the time when I go to pray, he's like Eli to Samuel, like, I was like, Lord, did you call me? No, I didn't say anything to you. Go back to pray. It's like, all right, go. So it's like I don't hear a lot of words from the Lord all the time. But one thing that he said that always stuck with me, he said, Obe- disobedience, lack of intimacy leads to disobedience. That if we do not hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us in our life, we will naturally disobey Him in our actions throughout the day. And obedience is what the, the, the readings really come down to. Obedience comes from the word aub audire, to listen or to hear. And it's only when I truly listen and hear the Lord speaking to me in my personal life can I say to Him, "I am here to do your will. I will obey you and follow your commands that you are speaking to me." It's the question of, am I putting myself in that position to listen to our Lord?" And this reminded me of the story of Sister Wilhelmina. How many of you have heard of Sister Wilhelmina before? A few. All right, so she was. God worked a great miracle in her, and I think it was because of her life of pure obedience to Him uh, as a nun. She was born in 1924 and died recently in 2019 at 95 years old. And she was an African-American raised in St. Louis, very poor neighborhood, poor family, but very devoted to the Catholic faith. And when she was very young, she had a vision when her first Holy Communion, She had a vision of Jesus, as she reports it, asking her at that time, Will you be mine? And She later told others, He was so handsome, how could I say no? And so she she had a very strong faith, a strong will, so she immediately after that, at about age of 10, wrote to the Oblate Sisters of Providence in Baltimore to get permission to enter into their religious order. They said she had to wait until she was 18 years old. But there was no Catholic church even in that area. for, I'm sorry, Catholic school for African Americans. So her family helped found the first African American Catholic school so that they could attend. And she she kept her faith very strong and then at 18 years old she followed through with what the Lord had asked her and she entered into the convent. Now it was said that she remained with them for about 50 years, and it was said that you know she had a very strong will and a straightforward kind of faith. And she used to say about herself, said, my name is Wilhelmina. It's because I have a hell of a will and I mean it. And she, she needed that strong will throughout her life because she had to live through one of the greatest breakdowns not only of our culture after the 60s and 70s sexual revolution, but also that one of the biggest breakdowns in the history of the church. So she went into the convent when vocations to be nuns and priests was booming. After Vatican II, and the 15, 20 years following, 90,000 nuns left the convents, and 100,000 priests worldwide left the priesthood. And when John Paul II was asked what was the cause for so many priests and nuns leaving their vocations, said it was because they stopped praying. They stopped listening to the voice of the Lord in their own lives and lost their direction. So Sister Wilhelmina, she was very engaged with, I need to stay close to the Lord, especially when she's witnessing, if you can imagine, all the sisters you entered in with we were around, slowly began to leave. And then, not only that, but they started dropping the habit. And she, for her, she said, The habit to me is a sign of my, my bridal relationship with Christ. It's a sign of my yes to belong to Him, as He asked me to do when I was just nine years old. So she refused to let it go. I mean, that, that might sound. Just like a nice gesture at that time, but can you imagine living in the house with the same sisters? Nobody else is wearing their habit except you. At one point, she was she her habit was falling apart, so she was trying to get a new one. Um, they weren't even making them anymore for her order, so she had to herself continue to sew and rebuild her habit throughout her years. And she even used you know how they have those like plastic headdresses that go up to keep the whole blocks. Well, she had to use a plastic bleach bottle. She'd cut around that to put that on her head to, for a makeshift habit. And it actually ended up saving her life one time because she used to teach in schools in uh, Baltimore. And one of the kids got very unruly. She tried to discipline him. He took out a knife and he threw it at her. And the blade uh, reflected right off the plastic part of her habit. So she always said it not only saved her vocation, but it also saved her life at that time. But after you know 50 years persevering with them, um, she, re- she realized at one point that she didn't fit in. You know There wasn't any new vocations coming in to that order. And so she finally saw the sign that she had to move on. And she felt Christ calling her to go start a new community of nuns, of Benedictine nuns. So she went out to Missouri on her own at 75 years old. I'm sorry, 70 years old and started a new Benedictine order. She was the only African-American, and all of her daughters were white. Right? So she said it was a big in-your-face to our culture uh, narratives that we have in America. And they got so big that they were overflowing as far as numbers. And I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. They have, they're basically number one with all the Catholic uh, music They put all their chanting online on Spotify and uh, iTunes, and you can listen to them there. So she started that order with, or started that community, was faithful for 25 years with them. And then at the age of 95, 75 years following our Lord, striving to be His, uh, that's when she finally passed away. And her last words were, Oh, Mary. She said she had a very special devotion to the Blessed Virgin. And she would tell everyone, pray the rosary. Don't forget to pray the rosary. Love the Blessed Mother. She loves you. Now pray the rosary. That was her constant thing. And uh, the miraculous part of her life was she was buried four years ago. And she was one of the first one in the community to pass. So they started a cemetery. And it was kind of out in the corner by a river. And just in a simple wooden box. Well, their community kept growing and growing, and so they had to expand in that area. So they were going to take her up and start a new cemetery. But when they dug down, this is four years after she was buried, There's water all over the place. The, the wooden casket was all broken through with water and dirt all over. But one of the nuns screamed out when they pulled out the coffin, I see a foot. And they realized that her entire body was incorrupt there's no decomposition whatsoever over and there's only about a hundred and fifty saints in the history of the church who received that kind of a gift and i think it's less than a dozen whose bodies are totally incorrupt sometimes it's just parts of the body and uh but what's even more beautiful than that is her habit which she fought so hard to hold on to throughout her vocation was also completely incorrupt. There's no deterioration whatsoever in her habit. And so the nuns brought her out. She was on, this happened this last summer. So there, I was actually going to go to that very convent right before this happened. And there's so many pilgrims going out there that I decided to stay off. But our focus, some of our focus missionaries, I found out, did end up going there and got to touch her foot as she was before she was put into a glass case. So in the midst of all the breakdowns around her, her secret was to remain close to Christ where she could continue to hear His voice in the midst of so many voices of her own community, of the religious orders around her, and society that told her she had to get with the times, she had to let go, she had to grow up, try new things, but she heard Christ telling her a different message and she was faithful to that throughout her life with great sufferings. And St. Paul says to the body, the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. Our bodies as Catholics, Christians, do not belong to ourselves. You are not your own, for you have been purchased at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And she was a woman who strove to glorify God in her body as a nun for 75 years of service. And because of that, God made a great sign of her and glorified her body as a sign for the rest of the church of her fidelity. I think very much our current struggles of our times and perhaps every time in the history of humanity comes to the use of our bodies, right? Because the further we get from God, the more we want to take control of our own bodies and do what we want with our bodies because it's my body, my choice. And yet we see the complete opposite in the saints. The closer that the saints drew to Christ, especially listening to His voice, receiving the Holy Eucharist, they had this attitude of total surrender and obedience to Him. My body's a vessel for the glory of God." And that's why Peter Kreeft once noted, abortion is the Antichrist demonic parody of the Eucharist. That is why he uses the same holy words, this is my body, with the blasphemously opposite meaning. How we understand God how we live devoted to Him is reflected in what we do ultimately with our bodies on this earth. And when John cried out to, in today's Gospel, Behold the Lamb of God, what he was speaking about was the sacrifice that Christ would make with His own body for our salvation on the cross. And those words, Behold the Lamb of God, are echoed in every single Mass throughout time, as Christ continues to offer His body in sacrifice, in that same sacrifice, to us on this altar. And to those of us who draw near to Him can hear the same words that Sister Wilhelmina heard, that Elijah heard. Will you be Mine? Will you belong to Me and offer your body in that same sacrifice? May we all be able to answer with them, Here am I, Lord. I come to do Your will.